Hi, everyone. Welcome to How to College for First Gens, our podcast where we get together over some coffee to have real conversations about what it's like to be a first-generation college student before, during, and after college. If you are a new listener, our goal as first-gen students is to share knowledge that we've gained along the way, learn a bit more about the experience from other first-gens, and hopefully help others going through some of the same challenges we've experienced by sharing lessons learned from fellow first-gens. I'm Cody Daly, one of the show's co-hosts, a first-generation college student living in Chicago, Illinois, whose job as a post-secondary counselor is to help and inspire the next generation of first-gens. Today's episode is about first-gen fly-in programs. Fly-ins are a unique visiting opportunity where colleges will transport a student to their campus, host them, and provide informative and engaging programming such as college tours, student panels, networking, and more, all free of cost. Visiting a college and determining fit and comfort level is super important, especially for first gens. Today you'll hear from three first gens about their visiting experience, the importance of those experiences, and how fly-ins can be an incredible resource to other first gens. Without further ado, let's meet our first guest. We begin today's conversation on first-gen fly-ins with a current high school senior, Jasenia. Hi, Jasenia. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for having me. Of course. Thank you for being here. We're super excited to have you on the podcast. I'm excited to be here. All right. Well, Jasenia, today, as I just mentioned, we are here to talk about first-gen fly-in opportunities, which are really cool and unique opportunities for first-gen students. But before we talk about that topic, I would love to have you introduce yourself to our audience. Hello, everyone. My name is Jasenia Castillo. I attend in Miami Jackson Senior High School, which is a Title I school in inner city Miami. And this fall, I will be attending Northeastern University as a torch scholar. I am hoping to pursue a career in international business with a concentration in social innovative change and entrepreneurship. Jasenia, as I mentioned, today we're here to talk about fly-in experiences and what that can do for first-gen students. And to get started, I would love to kind of talk about your post-high school planning process and what was involved within that process. So in terms of your post-high school plans, thinking back, you know, whenever you started thinking about this, it could be senior year, it could have been junior year, it could have been earlier. But what were some of your options that you were considering for life after high school? And what were some of your goals? Up until junior year, I was set on staying in Florida and going to like the University of Florida, which is an amazing school. I think that thought of going out of state really scared me from a financial standpoint, as well as, of course, comfort levels and other factors. But the more I got into the process, the more I started to know that there were more options and more programs for first-generation low-income students like myself, like QuestBridge, for example, that allows like first-generation students a pathway to these amazing schools and not no cost at all. And I was drawn to that opportunity. So I started to do a lot more research and kind of evaluating like my applications and where I wanted to go and seeing like where I saw myself best fit. So I think that that's where I was at. So I first started 
thinking of going in-state. And then the more I learned about other opportunities and other programs, I kind of started to open my mind up and kind of get more comfortable with the idea of going out of state. And then I started to build my college list of that. My goal was always to go to school and get an undergraduate in business and then go straight into grad school. And I think that's still my plan, but I'm not sure what area of business I want to go into or like focus on right now. Yeah, well, the good news is the area of finance and business, there's so many different avenues you could explore. So you will have tons of options at your disposal. I think it's so interesting that you mentioned that you were initially considering the University of Florida, which is a phenomenal school, as you mentioned, and you were mainly looking at them due to location, or at least it seemed like. But you will soon be going off to a college that, (laughs) if anyone's listening knows, is not close to home. And you talked about kind of how that seemed scary. And I I don't know if you can relate to this, Jasenia, but I think for a lot of students, especially first gens, some of the best opportunities can actually be some of the scariest or maybe anxiety producing options at first, but then once you learn and become more comfortable with it, you then are more open to those options. Would you say that was kind of your experience, you know, looking at a school like Northeastern, that's an amazing institution, but it is like super far from where you're located. Yeah, for sure. I think that it was scary at first. I submitted the application and I was like, I'm not sure if I get in, if I could go through with it. And I think that kind of having that support system of my teachers, my mentors guiding me and telling me and reassuring me that everything was going to be okay and that I I have to get uncomfortable. Sometimes the best things come from that. I think that that was what made me kind of get out of my hesitation, I want to say. And I can totally relate. It was very scary. And even making that decision of going away, I'm still nervous, but I'm overall excited. Would you say, was location one of the biggest factors in your college search, at least initially? It was definitely. Location was super important to me. I always thought that I was going to go to a school where it was accessible to kind of drive home. Like family is super important to me. That's one of my main values. And the thought of like kind of having large distance where I can only come in holidays was definitely something that I really had to think about since my family is my biggest support system and I know that as a first generation student like that's the most important thing you need to feel supported and I feel as a torch scholar and in my decision of picking Northeastern like that was one of the reasons the support system is amazing absolutely and I and I love that you pointed this out because you know, leaving home, there's there's a few dimensions to that. So one is obviously leaving a place that you're comfortable in, usually, you know, a place that you've lived in for maybe however many years. So that can be one dimension of leaving home. But the other dimension is leaving your family, which, as you mentioned, with, with a lot of first gens and even other students, that can be a really hard process. When you started to explore these other options that were maybe a little further away from home, Do you mind sharing what your family thought about those ideas or options or what influence they may have had on you throughout this process? 
So I think that it was really hard for me to explain to my parents what I was doing and like what the process was like. I know that my first conversation was actually when I was applying to fly-in programs my sophomore year. They were very hesitant. They didn't understand how a school will pay for a student to go fly just to see the school. So that conversation was difficult. I had to do a lot of convincing and a lot of explaining and like going through the details and the process for them to be supportive about it. But once I told them the decisions, they were super excited. And overall, they're super supportive about everything that I do. But initially, it was pretty hard to convince them and make them understand the process. Yeah, and Jasenia, I I laugh because that's such a very real, genuine reaction that I see from a lot of first-gen families about a lot of different things. Like, almost, is this even real, right? Why would a school pay for me to fly out to the school? Like, is this a scam? Is this real? You know, so a lot of our families, I know even my mom, you know, when I was applying for scholarships, I got a pretty big scholarship in college. Like, she was like, are we sure it's real? You know, there is some reluctance like that with the process. So thank you so much for sharing that. And I'm so glad your family has has been supportive of you throughout the throughout the entire process. So, And you also have mentioned already a few times your involvement with the Torch Scholars, I believe you mentioned. Can you talk about what that program does and how you found out about that program? So Torch is a program for first-generation students that allows them a pathway to Northeastern. It's for students who will usually get overlooked in the college admission process. And yeah, the application, well, the process of it is like you have to submit a nomination. So you have to get nominated for it. Then you have to go through a group interview and submit tests and a writing piece. And then you get to know if you were selected. They usually fly you out to the school and you will do all of this in person and get to interact with faculty and stuff. But because of COVID, we did everything through Zoom this year. Going back to your high school options, I know you had various college options as you were a senior this this past year. How many colleges did you have the opportunity to visit? I actually had the opportunity of visiting five out-of-state schools and 10 Florida schools. Wow, that's so many. That's so great. Do you remember how those experiences felt for you or even like that first campus that you ever stepped foot on? Do you remember how that felt? Yes. So my first time going to a college tour was actually with the nonprofit organization and the extracurricular activity club that I joined freshman year, which was Achieve Miami and College Club. And we went on a four-day trip to Washington, D.C., and we got the opportunity of visiting Howard University, American University, Georgetown University, and Loyola. And honestly, that was the first time that I got to see what it would be like to go out of state and be a college student initially. It I like I just vividly remember like walking through the campus and seeing all the students and just kind of getting excited because I saw myself in the campus. And I think that was really important for me when it came to the application process because now I knew what I wanted in a school. Oh, did I want it to be big? Did I want it to be small? Did I prioritize it being in a city rather than a suburb? And I think exploring these 
options really, really helped me determine that, especially when I was so set on going to a Florida school. And Jacenia, do you remember when you first heard about fly-in opportunities and how did you hear about them? So my sophomore year, I was looking into the University of Virginia. Like I, that was the school that I knew that I wanted to apply to. And I that was my school freshman year. So I was doing some research and I came across their fly-in program, which is Who's First Look. I remember being super excited um, seeing that the application was open and, and just remembering like my excitement um, on applying to them. But a lot of the opportunities for fly-in programs, my friend actually told me about. She found a spreadsheet and like we kind of pointed out that like the schools that we wanted to go to and whatnot. And that's how I got to know more about flying programs. But as far as the University of Virginia went, I actually ended up being invited to fly into it. And that was honestly the best experience of my life. So you mentioned that you had the opportunity to go to Who's First Look, which is the flying program that we'll specifically be talking about today. And I'm curious, what was the application process like for that program? It was honestly very simple. So the application opened around March, and I think they had a priority deadline and then a regular deadline. And everything was submitted through a Google form. So all of the questions, all of the information, everything that needed to be uploaded was through a Google form. So it was very simple. They only asked for three small essays of like 250 words on a selected prompt that they had, and that was pretty much it. They also, I think, require your counselor to verify that you were a first-generation student, and that was it. That was the only document that you had to upload, the essays, and then, of course, like your personal information. So it was pretty simple. You know, I'm curious. So we're talking about fly-in opportunities, and you know, the basics of fly-ins are, you know, schools, like you mentioned, will fly in students to the school to visit the school. But could you maybe lay out some of the sort of benefits from a fly-in program, like who's first look and what those provided for you in terms of logistics, you know, things like housing or transportation? Yeah, for sure. So who's first look actually provided us with food, housing, transportation, workshops, team building opportunities. And they also provided us with a space where we could network with faculty and staff at that school and kind of get all of our all of our questions answered about the college process. Also, they partnered with an organization called Who's Rised, which helped us through the college process after we left. So we went into to the fly-in program or junior year. And then during uh, the summer before our senior year, they actually helped us with our QuestBridge applications and our personal statements and kind of reviewing the essays that we were going to write and scholarships and stuff like that. So that those were some of the biggest things that they helped with and provided. That's so amazing that they were able to still stay in contact with you and still connect with you and still help you through the process like even after leaving like it you know it doesn't seem like one of those programs where they host you and then it's by it was more see you later you know um, and, and more of like a support system so that's that's really really cool and obviously as you mentioned 
things like transportation, <laughs> housing, food, all of that being provided it is truly a, a big thing and something that a lot of students could could benefit from. So looking back at the actual events that you participated in, could you kind of describe roughly like what was the daily agenda like? What activities did you have downtime? So the program was pretty packed every day. I remember that we got there a day earlier, like at night, and then we had a student actually host us in their dorm, which was really fun. I had never like seen a dorm before that. And we got to sleep there and kind of meet like the people in the hall and got the sense of like what it will be like living in, on campus essentially and then they fed us and then we kind of went to sleep we we had free time to do whatever we wanted that night but it was pretty late so I just remember going to sleep the next morning they had breakfast for us we had I remember that the next day we had workshops about what it meant to be a first-generation student. We actually got the history of the school. We met with the, the dean. We also ended up going to like a chemistry lecture. They had a student panel of first-generation students meeting with us and kind of telling us about their experience and kind of like the struggles that they went through. I remember that we also got to meet with our local admissions representatives and they kind of went over our transcripts and gave us pointers. So they were like, oh, I think that you should focus on this year, senior year. And I think this will make your application more competitive. So that was honestly very, very helpful. We also got to look around clubs and organizations and kind of talk to them. It was it was pretty nice. And we did have some downtime and we actually went to the corner, which is where they have shops and kind of restaurants and stuff. And we got to walk around and kind of see what that was like. So it was overall really fun. Jasenia, in your honest opinion, of all of the activities you mentioned, and you mentioned so many great ones, what do you think was the most helpful to you? Or like looking back, like what do you think were the most beneficial to you as a first-gen student? Definitely, definitely the student panel and then the admission representative like one-on-one meeting. I think that kind of hearing the struggles of other students that are just like me was super eye-opening, especially when you're going to a school that may not have the population of first-gen, like that I'm used to, for example. I think that that was really eye-opening and it made me feel comfortable. It made me feel comfortable about the struggles that I go through and it made me kind of realize that I'm not alone and I think that that was also like a factor that was really scary for me considering out-of-state schools and just kind of having these students talk to us and like reassure us that they were there and kind of tell us how they navigated that was really impactful for me. Also like the mission representatives kind of guiding us and looking at our transcripts and sitting down and kind of giving us pointers really helped me and guided me when picking classes the following year and kind of set like the standards and like expectations for me going into my senior year. So yeah, definitely those two. 
Jacinia, I'd love to kind of ask this philosophical question, but, you know, let's say you didn't have the opportunity to go to the Who's First Look, or even the trip that you mentioned that went to D.C. You know, maybe you didn't have those experiences to go out of state. Do you think that would have impacted your school selection and, like, how comfortable you would feel going out of state? Definitely. I think that it is different. You taking like virtual tours and kind of doing the more analytical like research, such as like stats and like the schools and the majors that they have to offer. I think that if it wasn't for the trips that I took, I still would have been terrified of going out of state or even the idea that that was possible for me. I think that kind of having that opportunity and giving myself that chance to just apply, literally just apply and see what happens truly like helped me during the college process. Jacenia, I would love to know, do you think that fly-in programs are especially meaningful or helpful to other first-gen students? Why or why not? I want to say yes. I think that, like I mentioned before, a lot of us are scared of kind of getting out of uh, our comfort zone and kind of going out of our ways to apply to these opportunities. So I think the flying programs are super helpful in that sense. And if you have the opportunity of going, I will 100% suggest to go or like apply or just kind of look for them because they're there for any school that you possibly are interested in. But also using like other resources such as like virtual tours and like YouTube videos and stuff like that helps as well if they don't have the opportunity of attending a flying program. And to close, you know, if a current high school student, a current first gen high school student is listening to this episode right now and they're wondering, you know, should I do a fly-in? Should I not do a fly-in? You know, they're just kind of thinking about that opportunity. What advice would you offer to those students? Just apply. <laughs> That's the biggest advice I can say. To, um, coming from someone who was very hesitant on the whole flying idea or like the whole flying concept, I would just say apply. You never know what's going to happen. And at the end of the day, like the essays that you write for literally anything, scholarship, flying programs, um, they can be reused um, your senior year or for other applications. So I would suggest that just kind of go out of your comfort zone and apply. Like if you're even the slightly, like the slightest bit interested in a school and they're offering something like a program where you can go to the school or like a summer immersion, uh, like research thing, just go ahead and do it and see what happens. Most of the times those are the the best experiences of your life and they're amazing opportunities for networking and doing research and just overall getting to know the school. Jasenia, any final words you'd like to share for our first gen audience? I I would like to say that I know it's scary and I know that sometimes like you're gonna feel like your parents don't understand and like your peers don't understand what you're going through. But there's so many resources to to kind of come back that kind of 
imposter syndrome and like just kind of get you through that honestly like just talk to other students that may be in the same position as you and just kind of look for those resources or just just ask for them honestly um I think that that's very important support as a first generation student is like one of the most important things and I just want to say like make sure that the school that you're looking at offers that um because like transitioning to college is going to be difficult <laughs> I mean I can imagine um <laughs> I'm kind of feeling the nerves of it so having a support system there for you is honestly like super important totally agree Jasenia, thank you so much for being here today. We greatly appreciate it. Congratulations once again on completing high school. I I hope you enjoy the rest of your summer, um, and we wish you the best of luck as you head off to college. Uh, We know that you are going to do amazing things. Thank you so much for having me. We continue today's conversation about first-gen fly-in programs with a current college student, Stephanie. Hi, Stephanie. How are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here today. We're super excited to have you share your experiences with our first-gen audience. So, Stephanie, before we get in to discuss first-gen fly-in programs and specifically the Who's First Look program, I would love to have you introduce yourself to our audience. Hi, I'm Stephanie Ricker. I am a current rising third year at the University of Virginia. I am majoring in history and either double majoring in politics or philosophy. Not super sure about that yet, but I'm definitely looking at going to law school after undergrad. I come from Carmel, New York, which is about an hour north of New York City. So I am an out-of-state student and I am the communications co-chair for the Who's First Look program, which is a all-student-run fly-in program for first-generation and or low-income high school juniors. And it's a really great program, and I'm really looking forward to talking some more about my own experiences and about Who's First Look today. And Stephanie, I know that you yourself identify as a first-generation college student, and I'm curious, when did you find out you were a first-generation student, and how did that make you feel? I've known for a very long time. My parents were never shy about their own academic backgrounds. My dad dropped out of school after his sophomore year of high school to support his family, and my mom uh, did not go to college. So they were very open and honest about that. So I pretty much knew from the time I was in elementary school, but I don't think I was aware of how different I was compared to my peers until high school and starting the college application process. And it made me a little overwhelmed and quite scared, honestly, because I felt so unprepared compared to some of my peers who had parents who had gone to college and knew how to fill out college applications and forms like FAFSA and CSS. And I had never heard of any of these things. And I had barely stepped foot on a college campus until I started touring schools and looking at applying to schools. So I did feel I was somewhat disadvantaged, but I was really fortunate to find a support system in a few really wonderful high school teachers who kind of supported me and 
stepped in and helped me with those forms and with the college application process. So I'm really grateful to them. They were amazing. And I had friends as well who did their best to support me during really difficult times where my parents didn't really know what was going on. And that's totally not their fault. And they did their best. But that kind of comes with being first generation. But I'm I'm proud of who I am. I'm proud of my parents. And well, now I'd love to, this is a perfect transition, because I'd love to kind of talk about your post-secondary experience and how you landed at the University of Virginia. And so, Stephanie, I'd love to talk with you first about, you know, looking back at senior year or maybe even junior year of high school, in terms of your post-secondary plans, what options were you considering at that time and what were some of your goals? So I always knew I wanted to go to college. I have a very strong passion for learning and reading and writing, and I have a lot of big goals and dreams, and I knew that college was just going to be the right place for me. I knew that from a very young age. I remember looking at colleges in elementary school, being a little nerd kid and just dreaming of going away and learning absolutely everything. So I knew for a while that I wanted to go to college, so I really started seriously looking in my junior year, and I kind of stumbled upon UVA by accident. I was looking at schools in the D.C. area, and I was going to tour those schools, and I was looking at schools kind of in the D.C. area, but kind of around it, like Maryland, Delaware, Virginia, and I saw UVA, and I clicked on the stats, and I saw it was a really high-ranked school, but it also had that sense of school spirit and community that I was really craving, and I managed to finagle my way to go visit all the way um, from New York down to Charlottesville, and on the uh, we took an Uber um, from our hotel to to grounds. We call it grounds. <laughs> and the Uber driver turned around and looked at me as we were pulling onto grounds. And he said, you know what? I have a good feeling about you. You belong here. And as a New Yorker, I was like, whoa, why is this guy talking to me? Turn around. That's weird. Don't talk to me. Don't look at me. <laughs> but it turns out he was right. I stepped onto grounds and I looked at, I looked around at the academical village and I listened to the stories of the students and just saw how passionate everyone was not only about learning, but just about the institution and making it a better place in the community. And I fell in love with UVA and I knew I had to go there. And so I applied and here I am three years later. Wow. That gave me chills. That story was so awesome. Going back to your college list, you mentioned kind of some of the schools you were looking at. When you were figuring out your college list, roughly, how much did location play a role in in that process? It played a part somewhat. I was really interested in being in the D.C. area, like I mentioned, because I just love it there. It's one of my favorite places on Earth, just the history and being surrounded by, you know, political institutions and the history of the place. It is such a breathtaking place in so many senses of the word. So I was really looking to be in a place that had history and had people who were passionate about, you know, what they were studying. As location in itself, I was kind of looking to get away, actually. I felt quite stuck in my hometown. I hadn't really found my place there. And I had friends, but no one seemed to really get it. 
And so I was kind of stuck craving that sense of community. And I really, really lacked that in my hometown. And I was really looking for an adventure. So I wanted to kind of break out of my bubble and go explore. And I think UVA just happened to be the perfect place because Charlottesville is such a beautiful place. It is right near the mountains, but it's also this booming college town. It's two hours away from DC, a couple hours away from the beach. And I could take the train all the way from Charlottesville right up into New York and go home if I wanted to as well. It ended up being the perfect place. But I was really looking to get out of my hometown and really even get out of New York. Were you able to visit most of the schools that you applied to? Yes, I was very, very fortunate that I was able to look at almost every school that I applied to. I had a lot of help from family members, including my aunt, who actually orchestrated the trip to Charlottesville. She is like my guardian angel, I swear. And my mom also works from home, so she has some flexibility in traveling, so she was able to go to some of those far farther away schools like UVA. UVA is eight hours away from my hometown. And we would also do trips on the weekends whenever I was not in school. Also during summer, which gave me a lot of flexibility in what I wanted to do and what I wanted to see. So that was really helpful. And I know I'm very, very fortunate. I know a lot of um, my friends who are first generation or first generation and low income did not get those same opportunities. So I feel very blessed and lucky that I was able to tour the schools that I wanted to tour. And it was really thanks to my mom being so willing and my aunt being so helpful. Being able to visit the schools, I think, is such a vital part. And it, and it can be um, scary to say that because for some families, like you said, uh, they might not have the means to do it or the abilities to do it or depending on distance. But I think that in terms of finding out where you felt comfortable, you know, your opinion, it sounded like your opinion of University of Virginia changed a lot <laughs> once you got there, as opposed to kind of what you thought going in. How important do you think that visit was for you or just going to visit these colleges in general in terms of how interested you were in the schools? Do you think there was a correlation there? Absolutely. Don't get me wrong. You can figure out a lot about a school from the internet, but seeing a school in person and getting the, for lack of a better word, the vibe of the campus and the students that attend the university it can be a game changer. There were schools that I was interested in on paper, but I visited and the the atmosphere was not one that I was super fond of. And there were schools like UVA that I wasn't really sure of. And then I stepped foot on grounds and was absolutely amazed and shocked and surprised in such a good way. Seeing that vibe for yourself and seeing it in person and seeing yourself at that school and trying to imagine what you would look like there as a student is a really big part of the college search. And I think it played a large role for me personally in deciding where I eventually ended up. If you can recall some of your visiting experiences, do you remember certain things that you liked about the visits that you went on or certain things that schools did that you liked that you did on visits or Maybe even <laughs> things that you didn't like or some bad moments on visits that you had at schools. 
my biggest thing was looking at the students. I was very focused on meeting students that went there and hearing about their opinions of their school. Because, don't get me wrong, administrators will give great advice and give great insight into their institutions, but, you know, they're almost paid actors a bit. So I wanted to hear from actual students. And there were some schools where some students looked absolutely miserable. And there were some schools where there were just no students around ever. I was really interested in finding a school where I found students were repping their college merch all the time and were outside and with their friends and doing things. And those were the schools I was most drawn to, the schools with vibrant communities who you know, had, you know, friend groups on the lawn of their school or in the quad and people who were doing things like flyers posted for different types of activities, student fairs, concerts, exhibitions, things like that. So that was really important to me. I really liked schools that had that, you know, vibrant student life on display. And that was really important to me. And I also really liked hearing about different student groups. I loved panels where I could hear from students directly and hear about the things that they were involved in and things that they loved about their school. And I also enjoyed hearing students critique their institutions because I think a big part of being a college student and leaving your mark on your school is to be able to critique the institution that you're a part of in order to make it better. So I was really excited to hear some students being open and honest about their experiences and say, hey, I love my school, but they could do this and this better because that makes me feel like I'm listening to actual humans and not just, you know, paid actors, which, you know, some faculty members can tend to be. I also love hearing from professors. When colleges had professors on their panels, I absolutely love that because they got to talk about their classes and the types of students they interact with and their line of study, which was really fascinating to me as well. So kind of on the theme of student involvement and, and visiting, you are currently a member of the, the Who's First Look team. Can you describe what the Who's First Look organization is all about, and then your role with that organization. Who's First Look is an annual three-day, two-night fly-in, or I guess like gas reimbursement academic enrichment program, and it happens every fall, and it runs from Friday to Sunday. So everything, including like meals, like I said, transportation, housing, activity material, other stuff, and that, that will all be provided to about 20 either like low income and or first generation rising juniors in high school. So the point of Who's First Look is to really give prospective students a taste of college life. And we want to provide them with these resources on the college application process, on financial aid and scholarships. And it also gives them the opportunity to, you know, build relationships with you know, us, the college students, we serve as their mentors, as well as their cohort. And we really just want to see them achieve, you know, academic and personal success. And of course, maybe it sparked their interest in UVA a little bit. But the goal is to really show these kids that college is attainable. And as, you know, a first generation and a low income student myself, college is is scary and it doesn't seem achievable, especially when you come from a background like that. So by 
you know, getting these kids to come to UVA and talking with them and sitting with them and doing workshops with them, we are showing them, hey, we're just like you and we are succeeding here and so can you. College is possible. Higher education is possible. Don't give up on yourself. Keep working hard. Keep going at it. You are incredible and amazing and we just want to make these kids confident and make them believe in themselves and we want them to see themselves how we see them. We just see just bundles and bundles of potential and intelligence and they are so incredible and amazing in their own special ways and we just want to see them succeed and show them that hey like you belong here you are worthy you are special and kind and intelligent and you can shoot for the stars and we promise that we will do everything in our power to help you reach them have you had any cool or memorable like student interactions or student moments or moments in in past hfl experiences yeah, the kids will write back to us and let us know kind of where they're at as, you know, the months and the years progress. We've had a couple of kids actually end up going to UVA. One of our exec members right now was actually in the first cohort of HFL, and now she's on the exec team. So that's a really cool full circle moment for everyone. Looking back at high school, if you could do it differently, would you have gone to a program like HFL? And what do you think maybe you would have enjoyed most about it if you were on the other side of it being a high school student? I absolutely would have. That would have been so cool. I think experience, like programs like HFL are so incredible. I wish that I would have known things like this existed when I was in high school, but I, I suppose I just did not, didn't have the resources, which is unfortunate, but you know, we're working, we're, we're working to correct that now. I think I would have loved getting to see what a college student sees, kind of getting to experience life through their eyes for a weekend and getting to learn everything that I can from them and hear what they think honestly about their experiences at college, being a first generation student. I think that is really special and something that I really, really would have valued going into the college application process. I probably wouldn't have felt so lost or confused if I would have had, you know, a mentor from a from a college who had been in my shoes helping me out. I think programs like HFL are really, really special and valuable in that they give that to students like myself, and now I get to give that to other students. So I would have loved to have experienced that. On on that note as well, you know, I'm curious what you think colleges and universities could do to enhance or expand their visiting options and opportunities for first-gen students. I think fly-in programs are a really great way to boost their first-generation and or low-income visit ratio, really work on expanding them and marketing them so that people know they're out there. Like, I had no idea that this was even a thing. You know, I can only speak to other universities. With HFL, we are completely student-run, so we are not attached to the administration at all, which, you know, has some disadvantages for us students. Because, you know, we are, you know, doing all of this heavy lifting 
However, it is nice because we have that autonomy to kind of control the direction of the program, tailor it to what we would have wanted and what we want, you know, desired as, you know, incoming college students ourselves. And that also, you know, makes it a really unique experience for the high schoolers that, you know, do go to HFL because it is for the students, by the students. And we have complete control over what happens at this program. So we know exactly what we want and what, you know, first generation students want to know and what they want to learn. So that is really nice. All right, Stephanie. Well, to close today, I would just like to ask you, finally, if you're speaking to a high school student today, maybe, you know, a first-gen high school student is listening and they are thinking about doing a fly-in or a visit program, but they're unsure, what would you say to those first-gen students that are considering those types of opportunities? My biggest piece of advice is to do it. Do it, do it, do it, do it. I am a big proponent of taking every single opportunity that is given. Say yes to everything. So if you have an opportunity to do something like HFL, go for it. Only good things can come out of it. Even if you decide that you don't necessarily like the university that you visited, you may get some insight as to what you do like in a school or what you want out of your college experience, or just some good advice on how to apply to school. You can make friends, and you can learn from people who have very similar experiences to you, and you can really see that you are not alone. That is probably the biggest thing that I learned when I got to college and found this wonderful community of, you know, first generation and low income students that I am so lucky to be a part of that. I I am not alone and neither are you. And through experiences like these, you will find people who have the same experiences and have amazing, amazing advice to give to you and helps prepare you for college. So please, 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 if you have an opportunity, do it. Thank you so much, Stephanie. I greatly appreciate you being here today and sharing your experiences with our audience. No, yeah. Thank you so much. We finished today's episode on first-gen fly-ins with a post-college graduate first-gen, Brandon. Hi, Brandon. How are you doing today? Hi, Cody. I'm doing well, and thank you for having me on. Of course, of course. Glad you're here. So, Brandon, today we're here to talk about first-gen fly-in opportunities and the impact that those can have for students. But before we discuss that topic, we'd love to have you introduce yourself to our audience. Yeah, absolutely. And hello, everybody. My name is Brandon Thompson. I am a UVA alumnus, just recently graduated in May of 2020, yes, during the pandemic, and I'll get into a little bit of those details My high school background is I am from McKees Rocks, Pennsylvania, a small town right outside of Pittsburgh. And I graduated from Stowe Rocks High School, a pretty under budgeted due to property tax, you know, models of funding high schools and and public schools in general, but came out of there as a valedictorian. And through that and through the people that I had support me, various teachers, counselors, friends, family as well, I was able to end up at the University of Virginia in 2016 and graduated there with a degree in economics and a minor in computer science. Since then, I have been working in the consulting space in small businesses in the Pittsburgh area and have come back home 
and currently developing plans for either doing some professional development and increasing my coding capacity or potentially going back to graduate school and exploring my options there, probably locally in the area in Pittsburgh. But that is a little bit about myself. Awesome. So if you look back, you know, late in high school, you know, even senior year of high school, would you mind telling me kind of what your options were in terms of planning for your future and like what your goals were? Yeah. So my senior year or even before then, right, all I knew that I needed to do was sort of the test, you know, the PSAT, the SAT, right? Prep for that, study for that, make sure I'm prepared and ready to go. And that was my only thing, right? And when it came to actually thinking about what's next, I knew college was next just based off my grades, based off how I liked to study and and enjoyed it. But I, I did not think I'd be leaving the state, right? I didn't think I'd be leaving Pennsylvania. I thought I'd be staying somewhere in Pittsburgh, probably either go to the University of Pittsburgh, Carnegie Mellon, maybe even one of the smaller schools like Robert Morris or Slippery Rock or uh, California University of Pennsylvania. All those were on the table, but nothing out of state was, right? Because I thought the cost would be too high and how would I logistically go back and forth, right? I don't have a reliable vehicle yet, you know, all that's going through my mind. So my focus at the time was just do as well as I could on my tests that could allow me to get to maybe the upper echelon school of Carnegie Mellon or, or Pitt and go from there. Senior year came and, and another scholarship program came to mind. And this is, is what helped make my decision later on was QuestBridge. It's a scholarship program out of California that connects students based off of their test scores, based off of their grades and GPA of how qualified they might be just based off of some of those metrics for the various partner schools they have. And they have Ivy League schools. They have really high level private schools across the country. UVA being the only public school on that list, as far as I'm aware. Before senior year started, the summer before, I got a pamphlet in the mail, just sitting at the house, wasn't really doing much, working a little bit, making a little extra money. Got this pamphlet that said, QuestBridge, go to school, you know, tuition free and and get all your costs covered. And, you know, a kid coming from my area, I was like, yeah, that that's no, that's not, that's not real. You know, that's not going to happen for me. It's, you know, why haven't I heard about this before? Why, why is this not something that was on my plate from a counselor or a teacher that, that may have known about it? So immediately I didn't even start looking into the program. I immediately like called up my high school counselor and this is, yeah, before school started, I had a good connection with him, fortunately, and just sat down with him and said, Hey, you know, here's this pamphlet. Is this real? Is this something I should pursue? And the one thing that he said was, well, do they force like an application fee? You know, is it $50 to apply to this to see if you can do it? And I'm like, well, no, QuestBridge just says apply and see what happens. And he's like, well, why not take the chance? And from there, you know, going into August, September and October, well, late September, I applied and and eventually was notified of getting it. And then my options really expanded from there. And and a whole journey uh, for senior year was was based off of QuestBridge. So without a benefit like QuestBridge, do you think location played a big role in your college options? Yeah, you take away QuestBridge from my experience, and I think I probably would have ended up somewhere in Pittsburgh, may have been with my buddies. A lot of them went to Robert Morris. I might have gone to Pitt. Maybe if I could have gotten into CMU with good enough test scores and good enough application, I, I would have targeted that as well. 
But yeah, location, especially before Questbridge was a huge factor for me. I thought staying home, being close to family, being close to friends, being close to the network that I've built in the city and and, and its neighborhoods would be my major benefit, right? To help me navigate all of the various uncertainties that college can present. I, I think before the scholarship, it would have played a, a much bigger factor than it did. But once the scholarship accepted me, I was like, okay, now I have most likely a very feasible way of not only going to school, but being able to attend out of state and find ways to get the support that I need to facilitate the move, facilitate my classes, orientation, and just learning and navigating college for the first time. Because as a first-generation low-income student, college is is basically another foreign language for me. And I, I needed some of that support. And I had a pretty good gut feeling that QuestBridge and the school that I would be matched with through QuestBridge would be able to support me in that journey. And for the most part, I can say that that happened. But yeah. Speaking of location and and that role in the college process, you know, as a school counselor, you know, one of the things that I encourage my students to do in the college exploration and application processes is to really go and visit the school. You would never buy a home or a car without ever seeing it. And so I feel the same way about, about college. How many colleges did you end up visiting or stepping foot on? Yeah, so as you can imagine, the vast majority was local to me, right? And the and the locations that my high school could facilitate. So I visited all the regional schools. But what it came down to in that like last few months of February, March, and April, I was like, okay, so Questbridge, through Questbridge, I've been accepted and given a pretty good financial aid package from both Virginia, University of Virginia, and the University of Southern California, USC. So there goes the location part again, right? And I was like, okay, if I can get to one of these schools, realistically, and I I can see them, it might help me make a decision about, because I definitely wanted to still go through QuestBridge, but didn't want to commit without seeing it, as you talked about, Cody. Eventually, I talked to one of my teachers, and he's like, all right, you know what I'll do? We'll find a day, we'll schedule sort of a a flight, well, not fly in, but a drive in visit, right? And we'll go see Virginia at least, and we'll see how you like it, and we'll do the tour, we'll talk to people, and we'll just spend the weekend down there. And I'll help you get down there and facilitate all that. And I was like, well, all right, that's that's the way that this is going to happen. Let's do it. We make the five and a half hour trip from Pittsburgh, which trust me, I got very much used to after the years, right? And eventually got to grounds. The first thing I ended up doing after sleeping was go on one of the tours, right, with one of the UVA guides. And the touring system in UVA is very, they try to keep it as separated from the administration as possible. So UVA guides, it's basically its own student group. It's student led, it's it's independent from the university. The people that do the tours are, they have a certain script, but they're allowed to change it and say what they truly feel and not go by a bullet by bullet paragraph, line by line script for the university's selling message, right? Went on the tour, was in the front of the line talking to the girl, and I wish I could remember the girl who did it. She was a fourth year at the time in 2015. So if you are hearing this, thank you, by the way, because we ended up going down the street, down Emmett Street, I think, or it was McCormick, one of the two, and ended up at the Rotunda. And what ended up happening was it was she announced that it was going to be her last tour that she ever did on grounds. She'd be graduating soon after. And around the time, I believe it was her birthday as well. So what ends up happening is all of the guides, or as many as were available, came out 
to sing her happy birthday and watch her final speech to her final tour guests. And with that setting, with that event happening and sort of the backdrop of a beautiful Virginia day and seeing that community, seeing the people come out to support somebody who put in the work and who dedicated themselves four years and are getting that reward from it. That was something that I wanted myself. And I thought I could find that at Virginia. That pretty much sealed my deal. After coming back home and giving a little bit more thought, I signed the commitment papers to Virginia and and off I went. The fly-in portion or or my version of a drive-in was vital in making my decision for sure, because there was an obvious separation to me between the schools I had visited before then and Virginia. And it made my decision a whole lot easier. Well, and I would be remiss if I didn't mention that you are a co-founder of a specific fly-in whose first look at the University of Virginia. Can you talk about, first, let's just talk about what the Who's First Look is, if you can kind of describe that to our audience. The Who's First Look program was started in the University of Virginia in 2017. It wasn't my idea. I'll I'll be as transparent as possible, but I was a part of the founding team. So one of the co-founders that helped to launch this, not to name drop, but to Brandon Kim and Marissa Jones, they started the idea because they saw through their summer programs and through their experiences themselves that, hey, some of these immersive on-campus or on-grounds experiences changed the way they looked at UVA, changed the way they approached college, and made them better students and later on professionals now than they would have been without those various programs that allowed them to immerse themselves in UVA. But one thing they saw was, okay, that's great, but a lot of the immersion programs is for already admitted students, kids that have signed on the dotted line saying they will be attending the school. And it's like, well, what about the prospective students, whether that be students of color, first generation students, low income, whatever identity you want to pick that you would like to target? What about that? You know, prospective students need to experience campus as much as the accepted students do, if not more, just to make a reasonably informed decision. So they came up with the idea. Marissa came up with the name and shout out to her for that because it's a tremendous name. You know, they wrote a grant to one of the internal grant funders inside of UVA called the Jefferson Trust. After that grant application process, we were given a level of funding that got us to about two, and we were able to extend it because of COVID and everything, to about three years of programming to bring in around 50 students over those three years from these backgrounds. And we tried to prioritize people of color, women as well. And luckily, our numbers have reflected that. Of course, I haven't seen this past year, I'd have to dive into the current leadership group right now to to learn those. Brandon and Marissa got the grant in 2018, early 2018, and we were able to launch the program into that year. So by the fall, we were bringing in our first set of, I believe, 15 students at the time. And and that is how Who's First Look started. And, and just a basic synopsis, it, we bring in around 15 to 20 students every fall, late October, early November. And we do two to three day weekend where these students are led by us, the students. We have guidance and we have backing from the admissions office at UVA to do some of the programming, but mostly it's on the students themselves to make sure that the high school students that we bring in are treated well, 
have all the accommodations made, you know, all the logistics are handled from travel to lodging to things like that, and to give them a weekend full of a great experience from information sessions to game nights to networking, dinner events, and getting to learn what UVA is all about. Would you mind talking about application-wise, maybe what you ask for typically in like an applicant? And also, have you noticed, are you getting students in the first couple cohorts, are you getting students from across the country or specific areas of the country? Yeah, absolutely. So I'll touch on the application first. A lot of it is just basics. We What we wanted to create actually is an application that reflected and was a microcosm of what a college application might be and what you would expect from that. So things like various essay questions, which probably have changed since then, but it was questions about like what inspires you, you know, what motivates you, what would you do without fear, things like that. Questions uh, about, you know, who you are, your background, things like that. And also some various forms like your transcript, your counselor permission form, right? Your counselor approving you to to apply to this program and maybe other things. The transcript and the counselor form were usually the top two things that we would look at. We tried to make the process a, as a holistic as possible. You know, we, we didn't have a GPA we were targeting. We didn't have a certain quota we were looking at. We wanted kids that we believed in. We wanted high school students that we thought could not only use this program, but also learn something from it and maybe be able to not just apply to UVA, but just feel more comfortable about attending college. And when it comes to the outreach and when it comes to where we got applications from, that was a scrappy process. You had kids from all over the the country uh, apply eventually. But I mean, that original outreach was reaching out to counselors like you, Cody, and just saying, hey, we have this program and just trying to get counselors to trust that we're not a scam. You know, we're not, even though we're student led and things like that, we still have the capability to have these students come in and, and show the campus and we're not going to do anything or harm them in any way. Like we have the backing to do this and we're going to do this as best as we can. And it took time. You know, that first application cycle was a pretty low count overall. And that was just because we were starting this with only about three to five months to fill the cohort as much as we could. But we learned from the lessons that we had that year. And by the next year, we had triple the applications that we had in the first year. And then that was after reviewing what we were doing and reviewing process and eventually led to a great system where now we've passed that on to leaders after leaders. But that process of, of applying, of, of creating the application and, and getting it out to enough people, it took time as anything does, but it was very worthwhile and we saw the results. Do you think that fly-in programs like the Who's First Look are especially meaningful for first-gen students? Yeah, absolutely. And I think we we had those testimonials. We had that confirmation from the students that we serviced over the past several years and the students we've brought in. It's been, yeah, I, I think just seeing the reaction on their faces and, and that's what tells the story. We have the quotes, we have the people who've applied to either UVA directly and got accepted or to various other schools through our inspiration and through what we were able to do for them. Yeah, it was I think it's very vital for them. As it was vital for me to come and visit the campus before I made a decision, we are able to target students in their junior year. So they have plenty of time to digest what they experienced through our program 
and be able to make as much of an informed decision as possible without having to spend the money to pay the ticket costs, either for a train or a plane or however they would like to travel, you know, finding ways to, you know, sleep in a hotel or things like that. When that opportunity is provided for them, you know, and, and that they get that opportunity from the school directly or from our little organization, it means the world. And, and we got that direct feedback throughout both years. And, and especially in the second year as well, we, we've seen how much it meant to the students and, you know, would stay in contact with them, would help them with applications down the line. We would try to support them as much as we can, even after the program. It meant the world, not only to them, but also to us as well, for being able to make that type of impact. And, and I can say this for sure, for the Who's First Look program that I ran with my uh, co-lead, Joanne Lee, it was probably the most meaningful weekend that I had in college because of what I was able to do and how I was able to help those students see what college was like and, and give them experience that hopefully they would remember in a good way for a long time. It, it is meaningful for everybody involved. How do you think colleges could enhance or expand visiting and flying opportunities for first-gen students? Yeah, the, the main thing is just invest and, and believe that this is helpful, right? Because there might not be an inherent value for the universities because they might not be guaranteed these students, right? You know, you're investing in prospective students. They might end up applying to whatever other school they would want to, right? And they might go there, you know, and there, there's a risk in that. But at the same time, you get students that are more well-informed about the college process, that are happy to visit your school and most likely will be even more interested in applying and accepting a, a offer from the university as well. So yeah, there's a risk reward component to it, to it and there's a cost benefit analysis that colleges will do. Invest in the students, right? And that's what universities try to do, but some universities don't do it for prospective students as much as they can and the capacity that they have, they could probably do it and we've proven that even with somewhat limited funding, we are able to give an experience to students and make them even more invested in wanting to apply to UVA, attend to UVA, or just be interested in college, right? We've seen that impact and we have at least a, a certain amount of results to prove that and without a major investment as well. So for what would be a minor tick off of your sheets, you can make a life-changing experience for students that desperately could use it and could use the insight and the knowledge about what college is truly about and go into it with a little less ambiguity. So yeah, what can colleges do to enhance or expand? Just invest. Invest in the students both on your campus and the students that potentially could be on your campus as well. If you if you put your money where where you want, you'll you'll get some cool results at the end of it. All right. Well Brandon Lastly, would just like to close with this question. If a first-gen student is listening and they are considering a fly-in experience, what advice would you give to them? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and to those high school students out there, do research, right? There are websites. I don't have them offhand, but I've, I've definitely seen them. And and Mr. Daly here would probably have access to some of those websites as well. There are fly-in programs for a lot of universities. Not all of them are student-led like the one that I previously operated, but there are admissions offices around the country of, of various schools, high-level to regional, that have this sort of program in place, whether it's a fly-in or travel reimbursement or what have you, to come visit the campus. So do your research. Know 
at least some idea of what schools you would even be vaguely interested in. See if they have a program like Who's First Look or, or anything similar and inquire about it, right? Try to reach out to the person that is running it. They'll usually have some type of general info at email, something like that, that you can reach out to and say, hey, you know, I, I found this program online. Could you give me some insight on X, Y, Z, right? Whether that's, you know, are there costs involved? What's the itinerary? What's the schedule? Things like that. What would my lodging be like? You know, the, these are some of the questions you can ask. And, you know, get that information because if, if they're anything like our program, and I guarantee you they're similar, they, they are more than happy to, to answer those questions and learn more about you and what you bring to the table and want to see you uh, potentially apply to their program. So do your research, reach out to people, to either the people like Mr. Daly and your counselor and to the people that run these programs and, you know, choose the ones if, if you can and if, if the capacity is available, choose the ones that interest you and, and you have the availability to do. And when you're there, if you do go to a fly-in program, absorb everything you can. Ask all the questions you can, immerse yourself into that environment, talk to college students as much as you can, and just absorb, be a sponge uh, for information, for experience, for perspective. And when you leave that fly-in experience, you'll be one, probably in a little bit of a tired mood maybe, but when you reflect back on it, you'll be very happy about the results. Even if you learned some things that you don't like or things that you do, you'll be glad that you did it. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Brandon, for being here today and for sharing your experiences and your insights on first-gen fly-ins. I know that our audience greatly appreciates it. Yeah. Thank you, Cody. I, I appreciate the platform. Thank you. Thanks again to today's guests, Jasenia, Stephanie, and Brandon, for sharing their stories and experiences with our audience. And thank you for tuning in to How to College for First Gens. After listening to our distinguished guests, you probably picked up on how important visiting a college was to their college exploration and eventual decision processes. Stepping foot on a college campus, regardless of if you enjoyed your time or not, can be a valuable experience in determining what is the right fit for you. As first gens, these flying opportunities provide the opportunity to do so when otherwise we may not. We encourage you to check out our website for this episode, which will include various resources featuring first gen fly-ins. And for those interested in who's first look, make sure to apply today as the deadline is right around the corner. As always, you can find us online at howtocollegefirstgen.org if you have any questions or feedback as we want to hear what you think, what you're struggling with, and how we can help. If you prefer to reach us on social media, you can find us at How to College First Gen on Instagram and Facebook, and at HTC First Gen on Twitter. Remember, you are not alone in this journey. Until next time.